Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 13. Let's, let's read together. 1 Samuel 16 and 13. It says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. I want us to read verse 13 again. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. May the Lord add his anointing to the reading of his holy word this morning. I believe today that many of us are going through something. Perhaps we're not necessarily defeated. We're not set aside, nor are we forgotten, nor are we abandoned, but we're going through something. As individuals in the spirit realm, we seem to go from glory to glory, height to height, depth to depth. But in the middle of all of those victories is often a struggle. It's a, it's a season. It's a temporary thing that we have to go through in order to get to something more glorious and beautiful. But God is molding and shaping and forming us in the preparation of the glory that is just ahead. We're, all, we're going to share today on, a, on the concept or the thought of having a winning spirit. And do you have it? Go with me to, the, to that verse of uh, 1 Samuel 16 and 17. And we're going to park there for a few moments. But I want to go to chapter 17. And I'm going to read verses 3 through 10. 1 Samuel 17, 3 through 10. And it says, And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels. Of brass, and he had greaves of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed six hundred shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him, and he stood and he cried unto the armies of Israel, and he said to them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine, and ye servants of Saul? Choose a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then we, the Philistines, will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then ye shall be your servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Isn't this just like the devil? always running his mouth and always trying to pick a fight. He's not just trying to intimidate one single person, but however, in this text as well, he's trying to intimidate the whole crowd, the whole body of Christ, the, the whole family of God, the whole host of people, all of God's army. You see, you're not the only one that ever faces a trial. 
You're not the only one that goes through something. The enemy wants to take you and I out. He tries to isolate us. He tries to make us feel unique. He tries to individualize our problems and issues and magnify them so that when, if he can gain a little bit of victory, that everybody else around us that we have influence upon is shaken in their faith. If he can cause me to lose in my fight of faith, then maybe that might discourage you. If he can cause a, your friend or your neighbor, a family member, to give up on the faith and to quit and to give in, then perhaps that's going to discourage you. That's how he works. But if he can take out the one that others have influence on, can I remind you today, if you're going to do anything from great from God, you're going to be contested. There will be a fight for your faith, a fight for your destiny, a fight for your purpose. But if God has already anointed you, that the anointing will carry you not only into battle, but it'll bring you into victory. And you will be victorious as we trust the Lord. Can you you give the Lord praise right there. He, but he's always looking for somebody that has promise, somebody that has destiny, somebody that has a sense of purpose, a sense of calling, and a sense of faith. We must note that the enemy knows that if he can just get the leader, if he can get the warrior, if he can get the one with the most, most influence, the one with the most strength, the one with the most faith, the one with the most promise, the one that's more anointed, then he'll destroy the hope that lives within them all. But notice there's a catch. There is a rule reward for defeating our adversaries. Verse 9, he says, If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then all of Israel shall be our servants and serve us Philistines. But here's where we stand today. Those of us today that have been struggling, here's where we are. When Saul, in verse 11, and all of Israel heard the words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. I think there's so many people in the world today that are surrendering to the spirit of fear that they are greatly dismayed and greatly afraid. But folks, it's not time to be dismayed and afraid. This is the time that we need to look up and lift up before our redemption is drawing nigh. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is at hand. He's at the door and soon and very soon he's going to split those eastern skies and the trumpet's going to sound and the church that is dead in Christ are going to be called up and they will rise to meet him in the air, and those that remain shall join them shortly after. And folks, this world is coming to an end. But when we're in Christ, it's not a time and season to fear. That's our hope. That's our promise that this soon, this trouble of season and this fleshly temple will pass away, but there's going to be a glorified body. There's a reason to hope for heaven, for it's the in the word of God, and there's coming a better day. There's coming a better world, and because I I am his and he is mine. I have no reason to fear. Give the Lord praise right there. Amen. We don't need to be dismayed. We don't need to be stricken with fear. But just as here with Goliath, as he spoke and he called out for a leader amongst the people of Israel, everyone became greatly afraid when he heard when they heard the words. But the giant or the, the devil had made a mistake. They hadn't received, uh, they didn't get the notice. They maybe perhaps they didn't get the email. They didn't get the text message. But just a few months ago, there was this little boy. There was this little boy and he was a son of Jesse. And he was anointed by the prophet Samuel, by God, directed by God to be 
the next king of Israel. Now listen, he was just a little boy and he had to spend a little time in obscurity. In fact, little David, when he was anointed in chapter 16, he was anointed to be the next king of Israel. In chapter 17, that's when Goliath comes on the scene. And David had been minding his own business, tending to the sheep, but he was called from the sheep by his father and they brought him in to go and to check on his elder brothers that was there. They're on the front lines, and he took them some bread and some cheese so that they could have a, a small meal and sustain themselves in the moment of battle. And so, but however, David was already anointed to be a mighty man of God that had proven himself in obscurity. You know what? This reminds me of many of of you today and even us as a church. We've been prophesied to, we've been encouraged, we've been spoken to, we've been spoken over, and we have the Logos of God, the written word of God, and we also have the Rhema, the Spirit of God that's spoken good words of us, and we have a destiny that to date we haven't achieved yet but we've been lying in wait for our season to come we've been lying in wait of anticipation and expectation of when the Lord was going to use us in a greater way and many of us have been wondering God when is it my time when is my time going to come but folks I believe it's time right now for the church to rise up stronger and filled with faith greater than it ever has been to realize that this thing is ending up and we need to be about the father's business declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. Can you give the Lord praise right there this morning? God's not going to display his power and his might in the full extent until you and I handle the things in private or the obscure realm first. You see, I've noticed this thing in faith. Now as I'm 46 years old, I've learned that people that are younger in the faith, they want all of the success and they want the big victory story and they want it now. And when they don't mind trusting God for salvation, but when life gets a little bit tough and they have to make the right decision in obscurity, it's in the isolation of obscurity, folks, that God teaches us the schooling schooling for ruling and the training for reigning. You don't learn those being on public display. No, you learn them in the midnight hours when you're miserable in your faith and when you're miserable in life and when you know a greater thing is coming but you're living with the current trouble you're in. You're living with your current state and God's given you a vision of an expected end and a future but your right now looks nothing like your future. And when he has us there, We are tempted, but folks, it's in that time of obscurity. It's in that time of saying, oh God, where did you go? Where have you been? And why aren't you showing up? It's there that we learn that he's faithful in the midnight as he's faithful in the morning and the evening sun. He's faithful in the noonday. And it's in the time of obscurity that we're strengthened in our faith. And we learn that he is faithful regardless of my emotions, regardless of my circumstance. His word will accomplish everything that it was sent to accomplish and he is a true and faithful God especially when we obey we'll see his fulfillment over our lives if you believe that can you give the Lord praise this is so much better I'm thank y'all for coming in here this is this is so much better I feel like preaching Battles happen to all of us. But folks, it's in the obscure times and obscure seasons when it seems no one knows what we're going through. And not in worse, the enemy will make you feel that no one cares what you're going through. Can I, can I get a witness from anybody? 
No one knows. No one calls. Or if they do call, they ask, but they don't really ask. You feel that they're just asking out of obligation, not out of authenticity. You think they're just doing it out of obligation. And we lay there in the mully grubs and say, oh, Lord, nobody really cares. I'm telling you, you're serving a God that really cares about you, that has anointed you for a great purpose, and he didn't make any mistakes. He's created you. He's molded you. He's called you, and he wants to lift you up, and you need to be ready and positioned for the battle that he's called you to fight. Many of us, however, we've been wondering, God wins my time. I believe the time is now. We must all win our own battles that we fight in obscurity before you can win public battles. Let me bring that home. You've got to win the fight of fight of faith between you and God alone before he'll use you publicly. Right? You've got you to pray. His word even tells us that when you pray in private, I will reward you openly. Those of you that you just want your reward for other people to hear that you prayed, you've already gotten your work, your reward, the Scripture says. He wants to know that he can trust us in the dark times. Verse 12, or excuse me, verse 14 says, And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. The Philistine drew near, verse 16, morning and evening, and presented himself 40 days. Now we skip all the way down to verse 26 in the story. It says, And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered after him this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab... David's oldest brother heard when he spake unto the men, Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why, why do you come down here? And who have thou left the sheep with in the wilderness? I know your pride and arrogance and the naughtiness of your heart. I love David's spirit. And he says, tell me what's going on. Who is this guy? Who does he think he is defying the army of Israel? Show me where he's at. I'll go to battle. And all of a sudden, Eliab stops David in his tracks and said, look at you, David, you little snot-nosed kid. Where'd you leave the sheep? I know you've done something wrong. You haven't done something. You've left the sheep there in the wilderness. Now they're going to die all you down here you're just a nosy little brat you better get back to tending those sheep he didn't know what had happened in obscurity he had already fought the lion and the bear he had already done great things in obscurity when his brothers were nowhere around but can i tell you everybody that's been marked with an anointing will have an Eliab. Everybody's going to have a brother, a family member, a loved one, someone over you in the Lord that's going to say, you can't do it. What are you doing? What are you thinking? Can I tell you, if you've got a destiny, you will have an Eliab. But you can't listen to Eliabs. You've got to do what David did. And he said, is there not a cause? What have I done to you? Is there not a cause? Is there not a win? Is there not a reason? In verse 29, what have I done to you, Eliab? You can't listen to the voice of Eliab. You can't listen to the lie of the enemy that says you're out of place and you're not prepared and you're not ready. We need to rise up and we need to go and face. Who is this man who comes against the word of the Lord and the people of Almighty God? I love David's attitude. He's bold. I've seen so many wimpy Christians in my day. It can almost make you nauseous. But I'm telling you, God's looking for a people, especially in these last days, that'll trust him and go out and fight the fight of the good faith. 
faith and trust that He is God and He still saves, He still delivers, and He still heals. Can you give the Lord praise? God's looking for somebody. He didn't wallow in the mully grubs, whining and moaning like the rest, uh, saying, oh, no, what are we going to do? David's attitude is this. It's bad enough he's messing with us, but he don't know who he's messing with. We are the children of Almighty God. Is there not a reason to fight for your destiny? In verse 32, David said to Saul, there's let no man's heart fall because of him. Thy servant, thy servant, thy servant will go and fight the Philistine. Oh, I love that. Don't you miss that? Don't you miss that? Verse 32, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight. David didn't have an elevated view of himself. He wasn't the man Eliab, his brother, accused him of being arrogant and pompous and pious and overconfident confident he says Saul let thy servant go I'll do your work for you and Saul said to David they are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him you're just a youth and he's a man of war from his youth and David said to Saul thy servant used to keep his father's sheep and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock but he took that notice this 34 there is a shift there is a transformation there is a propelling in David's own self identity and David said unto Saul thy servant used to keep sheep <laughs> <laughs> Woo, glory. I love that. That's what I used to be. I used to just be the one who just kept the sheep. Oh, but I learned in keeping the sheep. Not only could I keep the sheep, oh, I could also kill a lion with my bare hands. Oh, not only could I watch the sheep, I could tear a bear and rip him up by my own hands. I also knew that I could be a protector. I could be a shielder. I've been anointed by all Almighty God, and I'm more than a shepherd boy. I'm a mighty man of God because I learned it in obscurity that God was all I will ever need, and He will always be for me, not against me, and He'll empower me to do whatever He's called me to do. Give the Lord praise right there. I love that. I used to tend sheep. <laughs> I love that. you got to have an identity shift. I used to lay over. I used to have self-doubt. I used to be easily discouraged. I used to be easily defeated. Oh, but once I used to be young, but now I am old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. I know that God will make a way for me. Verse 35 says, And I went out after him, and I smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. In verse 36, Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of a living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Boy, isn't that like a lot of people. Saul says, Go, and the Lord be with you. Notice he said, The Lord go with you, because I'm not going with you. Go ahead, flow in your gift, do your thing, but I'm not going with you. 
I'm the king and I'm still afraid. I'm afraid of the Philistine. If you're so bold and you're going to trust God to take on the Philistine, go. I hope the Lord helps you. I hope you don't die. The Lord be with you. I'm not going with you, but the Lord be with you. You've got some friends like that. You've got some Eliabs and you've got some Saul. They don't mind you doing your thing. They're just not going to help you do what God's called you to do. But can I tell you, if God be for you, who can be against you? And God will be the resource that you need. On time, every time, all the time, God will be there. We don't talk anymore. We don't talk to the devil anymore. Oh, we lift him up and we glorify him and we magnify him. Well, the devil's just been after me. He's been all me. Well, get him off! Well, he's been coming by every day. I've just been in such a struggle. Well, he lift him and kick him out. He's no longer. Well, the problem is the body of Christ isn't talking anymore. Folks, we have been given all the dominion and authority in his name. We can and we're expected to take control and have the influence of heaven upon our earth. The church as a whole has quit talking. Oh, yeah, we have. You remember Roe v. Wade? Oh, it'll never happen. Will it happen? You remember when they legalized gay and lesbian marriages in America? Well, the church said it should never happen. It'll probably never happen. It's happened. Homosexuals serve now as priests in mainline denominations. And I think someone has quit talking. How about you? When is the last time you squared your shoulders back and told the devil in your life, listen, I used to keep sheep. I'm not that same person anymore. I've been been anointed and I've been appointed by God. I was born and called to be a winner. I was born to be the head and not the tail. I was born to win. I was born to soar with the eagles and not flock around with you buzzers. I'm more than a conqueror through him who has loved me. But see, David had a vision of victory. Know this, that God has placed within you. You can't do it yourself. God will all Always ask you to do something you cannot do in your own strength. Moses couldn't talk. He stuttered. He was called to be the prophet of the world. Joshua was sent to Jericho. What's the plan, Josh? Uh, we're going to march. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yeah, we're just going to march. What do you mean we're going to march? We're just going to march around the walls. And uh, Pastor Josh, you have lost it, man. No, we're just going to march. <laughs> Moses had a stick, but all he had was a stick. And he's leading millions to the water. He didn't have a boat. Noah didn't have a boat, but he was just called to build a boat. Hadn't seen rain, but there he is out there building a boat. God always does this. This winning spirit, I believe it's a spirit that comes on you. That just says, I'm going to win. I know it starts with a matter of choice, but I believe it goes beyond that initial phase of just choosing to speak positive. I believe it's something that just gets down in you, and it settles down in your spirit, and it might not even make sense. The Word of God says that He gives us peace that passes all understanding. You know, Sister Sue, Holly, Brandon, David Clay, I faced some stuff in my life. It didn't make sense, but I knew that God would never leave me. I knew He'd Devil forsake me. I knew he hadn't released his hand from off my life. And if God be for me, who and what can be against me? He will do everything he promised he would do in my life. Amen. I couldn't make it without him. That's not arrogance. It's just confidence. And it's not confidence in me. But when I look back at all the victories and I look about 
and made a way where there wasn't a way. When I look back at all the ways and times he's restored me, I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. But his hand's been on my life all of my days. How could I, how could I back up from the promise and the blessing of God when he wants me to win and be victorious for his glory? David get it when he heard Goliath's voice. Now way back in chapter 16 and verse 6 Samuel anointed David to be king and David went back to doing what he'd always do. Many in this room are in that mode right now. You're still doing what you've always done. But now is the time. Now is the season. Now is the moment. Now is the time that it's time to mount up with wings as eagles accomplish the vision that God has placed within you. There's something that comes upon you that you can't explain. It's just within you and it's upon you. It's a determination that in God you will win. David was so confident he didn't call for any backup. (laughs) Can you imagine that? He didn't even call for the elders of the church to pray for him. He was so confident in God he didn't even call for backup, Brother Brandon. He went in there all by himself. He trusted God. He didn't go through a prayer line. He just said, give me five stones. Give me my sling. And show me where they are. Wow. Let's let me get some stones out of the brook. <laughs> let me get my sling. I know my sling. I might not be able to swing a sword, but I, I can swing a, a sling. I might not be able to fight it your way, but I know how he uses me. And I'm going to take how he uses me and what he's told me and use it for the best of my ability for his glory. Give me a sling. Show me where he has. God's already given you your arsenal. What have you been doing with it all this time? What you've been going through, what you've been suffering through has been practice for your winning. It's not been in vain. You want to win. Now all of you know why David got five stones in the brook. All of you know this. Because Goliath had four brothers. He had four brothers. Now I don't know why God chose to only use the first one. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was to remind us and teach us that we don't have to have it all the way together all the time. That we don't have to always be prepared for everything. But he'll prepare us when we need it. We don't have to have it all figured out, Clay. All he's asking to do is just sling one. Just trust God with one. Just try it once. Hallelujah. Now, you can imagine when big brother Goliath fell down. There is no record in this book that David ever had to put another stone in the sling. He was prepared. He was ready. If that's what it required, he was willing. God's just asking you to be willing. If you'll be willing, God will do it. And when you when you trust that you're willing and he's able, he'll probably do it the first time, just like he did for David. Can you imagine that, boy? I'm just doing what I've always done. You know what I, what I like in this, too? It's like to a drummer. I'm just going to play the drums for the Lord. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a singer. But, boy, I can just, like a little drummer boy that Christmas song, I, just, I can play my drum for the king. Soon you know what it reminds me of? It's that, it's that choir director, that song leader, that praise team member, that media worker, that Sunday school teacher of the two and three-year-old class. God, I might not be able to 